podcast is out. The age of independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hi, agents. This is Caitlin Agar. Welcome back to the show. Today is all about sales coaching within your agency. And this is something that's near and dear to my heart because I believe it moves the needle more than just about anything else that you can focus on. And um, I think that in today's environment, so many of us spend so much time focusing on prospecting and focusing on clothing that somewhere along the line, sales coaching and continuous coaching processes that create a culture of feedback on our teams can get lost in the mix. And so today's episode is all about um, how do you put yourself in a position where you're not just looking at your numbers, you're not just looking at your data, and you're listening to your calls, getting inside that conversation. And what if as agents, we could help our team focus on conversational behaviors that drive results. And what does that look like? So today is a pretty cool conversation where I'm chatting with Ethan Barheit, the CEO and founder of VoiceOps, and they have created a tool um, that uses machine learning and contextual voice analytics to listen to a conversation and figure out if the sales behaviors that are most important to the agency are happening so that we can create coaching processes around that. And so um, today is Ethan and I chatting and just asking us, asking each other questions about what's working, what we've seen, and you'll walk away from this conversation with some specifics that will help you get your, your eyes on like how to start with this kind of call co- coaching. What could call calibration conversations look like within your agency? why it's worth your time investment to have a process for um, what you're expecting out of the sales conversation with your clients and how to create a collaborative conversation with your team members so that they don't dread coaching and it's not a disciplinary thing that's happening but it's something that's crucial to their success and they look at it like a like a mentorship and so in this episode i share a lot about what's worked for us and tips that I think will really help your agency, no matter what your agency size is, no matter where you are as as far as like how many salespeople you have on your team or how many customer service associates. Um, My goal is that by the end of this episode, this has just helped to reinforce for you how important it is to always be coaching your teams and have a sales process that you know is going to put your agency in a position to have a branding relationship with the client that creates that long-term interaction of trust that's focused on that client relationship and putting them in a better position than they were before, solving problems for them and uncovering the opportunities that will move the needle for your agency the most um, by getting your, your eyes and your ears on what's happening inside of the call, not just the outcome that came afterwards. So. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Send me DMs if you have questions about the conversation or thoughts. I'd really love your feedback on this one and enjoy the episode. 
Hey, Ethan, absolutely. Thanks uh, so much for joining me today. I'm super excited about our chat and um, I've been enjoying your podcast that you just launched, Always Be Coaching. And man, coaching is just one of those things we can't ever give too much attention to, right? But um, Age of Independence listeners, thanks for tuning in. We're going to have so much for you guys today about sales coaching and sales processes and what that means for your people and how you can really empower them to do what they do best. For those of you who might be listening, who are familiar with um, Ethan's podcast, Always Be Coaching, but you haven't tuned into Age of Independence yet, we are a um, a group of people who are focused on cracking the code to high volume new business sales without losing the heart and soul of your business. And so there's such a need out there today to make sure that we are raising the bar for that consultative approach within our, our sales environments, our agencies, our businesses, and strengthening that relationship with our clients in a really competitive environment. And at Age of Independence, we believe that you can do that um, in a really um, high volume environment, you can be bringing on new clients every single day and doing it really, really well. And we believe that quality and care can coexist in a high volume environment. Um, my corner of the sales world is in the insurance industry, um, specifically the independent insurance industry, where um, the uh, agency that I work for, Quantum, and our listeners own agencies that represent multiple insurance companies and the personal lines and commercial space. And so we work with clients as well as business owners. And so really looking forward to our chat. And um, there's so much um, that when it comes down to sales, Ethan, I've just found that there's so many transferable behaviors that really make sense in a lot of different industries. I know you found as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's great. So I think that's a great place to start. We, you know, we were just before the podcast started, you and I were just chatting and saying um, how there's not much content out. There's a lot of content out there about sales and what you say on the phone, but there's not a whole lot about coaching. And yet when you're in one of these environments uh, in the insurance world or, or beyond it, coaching is a thing that you obsess over and you think about all the time uh, because you understand when you're on the floor of a call center or, or a sales team, you see the impact that coaching makes. And so um, I, we're, I think we're really lucky to have you here because you are you, you, you think about this every day in the context of quantum and in your role as the education leader at quantum. So I think where I wanted to start was, you know, in, in the insurance world in particular, uh, for, you know, for, for an independent insurance agency that maybe hasn't um, made the kinds of tech investments that you guys have or the kinds of process investments that you've made into coaching, what does coaching look like just for kind of the average conventional insurance agency? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we should definitely dive into what coaching looks like for the average agency, Ethan, because we're going to have people listening today that are coming from uh, so many different types of industries. And in the insurance industry, there's different um, sizes of teams and different ways that an insurance agent builds out their model. So for our indie agents listening, you might be coming from a local agency environment where you're very hands-on with your team, you're very hands-on with your community, and coaching in your agency might look like checking in on your people, making sure that they're okay, making sure that they have leads, that the marketing is working. Um, some of you listening might be in that mega startup mode where you've hired a bunch of new people and you're spending time trying to train them on 
systems, different insurance products that they represent and different carriers. And you're trying to create that like tight team culture. And you're trying to get those numbers on the board because you're in startup phase and you don't have those renewals you can lean on right now. And so you're training, but you're also pulled in a lot of different directions. And so Ethan, I think for the typical insurance agency that I've talked to, they're very passionate about their team. They're very passionate about their clients, but they can also find themselves pulled in a lot of different directions because they do have to spend so much time on marketing and prospecting to make sure that they're getting the right clients in front of their, their sales team so they can do what they do best. But then they can also get pulled into things like escalation calls if there's something that a client needs or making sure that an insurance claim is going okay. And so I found that there are just so many amazing business owners and entrepreneurs in the independent insurance space that are totally committed to their team's success. And you're just trying to figure it out. So um, one of the things we just talk about a lot on the age of independence is just sparking that entrepreneurial spirit. And if we can give you anything that gives you that little extra boost, we know how much effort you're putting in, you're rolling up your sleeves every day, you're growing your teams. It's a lot of hard work. And so coaching is a big part of that. And sometimes it can fall by the wayside just because you are wearing so many hats, but there really isn't, there aren't many things that you can do that move the needle as much as really effective conversational behavior-based coaching and having processes around that to make sure your team's sending a uniform message that everybody's on the same page so that you can drive results. And that's one of the things I'm just really passionate about. Um, as the director of education at Quantum, Myself and our education team have the opportunity to train and onboard new quantum team members who come on board to our call centers in Fredericksburg, Virginia, or Allen, Texas. But we also have an amazing agency force across the country. There's over 52 quantum agencies that are launching, hiring staff, sales coaching, trying out new marketing methods. And um, if I can share with you things that have worked for us inside our quantum flagship locations. Those are things we just want to pass along to you guys to help empower you to succeed and, and grow and scale as much as you can. Um, I think there's a, there's a story, Ethan, that, that kind of makes me think of that I haven't shared yet. So um, if you guys want to hear a little personal story of what I found coaching can look like in an agency, um, that, that did kind of get the wheels in my head turning along those lines. Please do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, one thing I haven't mentioned yet is that um, before I worked with Quantum, before I was in a call center environment, my insurance agency, uh, my insurance journey really started in the agency environment where you are a, like in more of a local boutique setting where, you know, a client can walk in and talk to you. And you, that's where I started. That's where I got planted in insurance. And that was about 10 years ago when I first started. And over the years, as our agency grew and improved and got stronger and stronger, we got better and better at finding talent and better and better at coaching and learning sales. We found ourselves in this position where we were kind of in between an agency and a call center environment. And I don't know if any of you listening today um, in other industries are maybe in that startup mode where you're like growing so fast that you're like, we're a startup, but we're kind of big now. And we really need tools um, to help us and processes so that we can wrap our arms around all of this massive growth, because with growth comes a lot of change and a lot of unknowns and a lot of complexity. Um, but 
One of the reasons that I'm so passionate about sales coaching is because when we found ourselves in that awkward teenager growth stage between small agency environment and call center environment, um, the thing that moved the needle for me the most was sales coaching and listening, listening to calls and having a process around our call calibrations. And so what that looked like was we had several pods of like salespeople that we'd recruited and brought on and they were training and doing well. But we had some people at that bottom of the bell curve that you mentioned. And Ethan, you mentioned a couple episodes back, um, the bell curve that you see in call centers where you have a few people at the top that are doing really, really, really well. You have a bunch of people in the middle. And then if you have a few people at the bottom and wouldn't it be amazing if we could change that bell curve so that there were way more people at the top and way fewer people at the bottom. And so I found myself in a situation where I had a couple of people at the bottom and there's this saying in the insurance industry that's like hire slow, fire fast, but I didn't want to do that because these people had, they had so much potential. They just weren't closing. And so my mission that um, quarter was, okay, take these six people that are at the bottom of the bell curve and do nothing but develop these people for two months and see if it works. And so to give you guys a little bit of an idea of what that looked like, we had the person that was like steady as a rock, knew everything about insurance, but couldn't close anything. <laughs> we had the person who uh, was super willing to use any sales script I gave her, but she couldn't quote live. She had to book an appointment for a callback, figure it out and call them back to pitch. We had the person that was like totally bought in, wanted to train to be a leader and they couldn't stay focused. Like they were always doing different, every, they found, uh, you guys may have found this person on your sales team, the person that's like totally bought in and they're like, yay, but they always find a reason to be off the phone. <laughs> so we had that person. We had the new person that was like, I'm new, this sounds great, but I'm trying to figure it out and I'm closing some stuff. And then we had our wild card. And this guy was the guy who... You never, one month he might sell $80,000, the next month he might sell $20,000, and tomorrow he might decide to sell with a British accent, just the wild card guy. <laughs> and so my job was to coach them and try to figure out, can I develop these people to get to their goals? And um, we'd love to have them on the team. How can, you know, can we make this work? So what my days looked like was pulling up a stand-up desk, a stand-up mobile desk to their sales pod, putting on a Bluetooth headset with a Microsoft Surface and shadowing their calls live. I did not sit down. I didn't have an office. I didn't even have a sit down desk. I literally walked the pod with a Bluetooth headset on and I live coached. I listened to call recordings. I would pull them and play call recordings with them. I would um, do a morning huddle with them, an afternoon huddle with them. We would do ongoing education. So we'd pull them off the phone for 15 minutes after lunch update them on what they needed to know, do a quick role play, get everybody motivated, get them back, get them back on the phones. And within 30 days, every single person had increased over 20%. Wow. And within two months, every single person was achieving their sales goal that they needed to be at. And I think that, you, yeah, you know, go ahead. I think other folks in your position would kind of take the view, well, these folks aren't performing. If they're not performing, I'm just going to go replace them with five other folks. How, how, you know, what was behind the intuition that you thought, okay, these are folks that are coachable. I know if I kind of roll my sleeves and 
and sit or stand next to them and listen to calls and coach them that I can drive the results that are, that are going to keep them on the team. Like, how did you figure out that that was the right move? Well, I think it's because I could see that they were getting from some of our newer sales managers, they were getting a form of coaching, but they weren't getting the form of coaching that I described. And so I was like, well, I want to try out this other way of doing it. Um, Like how I would more mentor someone or how, if, if I only had one person, I would play their calls. I would coach them. I would chat with them multiple times throughout the day. And so I think the job of our sales leaders is to empower our sales team to do what they do best, to um, help them with root cause analysis, like why did we lose this sale, to look for patterns so that you can help them see it and talk through an action plan. And so often our sales leaders can get stuck in managing the day-to-day details or sitting behind their desk instead of pulling up calls, reviewing calls, listening to calls, looking for patterns, developing a coaching plan and a coaching, you know, strategy. And so I think that I wanted to see, Hey, if we do this, will they improve? And if not, then I have a little bit more information to go on about whether or not they're a good fit for the company. Yeah. I got it. So it sounds like, like you suspected that a different approach to coaching or a more hands-on approach would make the difference. And so you thought it was worth doing a, a month or two of experimentation to figure that out. You know, something I see is, I see this all the time with the folks that we work with where, um, uh, and we were talking about this before the show as well, where that, you know, you have these managers on the floor who really are doing their best with what they got and they're working really hard. They're often extraordinarily talented on the phone, very skilled. They got promoted into the manager role because they were great on the phones, um, and then they get into this role where their job is to teach rather than to perform on the phones and they get overwhelmed. They don't exactly know how to navigate that. They start to fight fires more than be proactive. Oh, totally. You yeah. Know, tell me a bit more about what you saw as kind of the, you know, the difference between what you were doing and they were doing and how you, how you kind of address that. Well, I think that one of the things I've experienced in the past, as far as things that we've tried that didn't work out well, is if you put someone that's like, say they're your top salesperson and they want to grow into leadership. So you're like, okay, great. Well, we have all these new people. You've been like really exceeding your numbers. Maybe you're a six figure a month salesperson. So now we're going to promote you to supervising this pot of salespeople. What I've seen happen is that person if they haven't gone through a training and development program that includes leadership tracks and content and curriculum on how, how to communicate and coaching styles and what is transformational leadership that, and if you don't have a defined coaching process yet in your environment, Mm -hmm. then you'll see them relying on where they feel most confident as a crutch. So it's almost like they keep shooting with one arrow or they have two arrows and that's what they got. And they just, um, like maybe they're really good at jumping on the phone and closing the deal. And that might be all they've got <laughs> or and that only works for so yeah, long. Yeah. yeah. And so it's about how do we get more arrows in their quiver, right? Yeah. They have, we have to broaden their insurance world. We have to increase the tools in their tool belt. And that means that we have to continuously be coaching those leaders so that they can become more well-rounded. They have to learn how to communicate with different personality types They have to learn how to make sure that they're empowering their people to use resources. They're not asking you the same question a hundred times a day. And you, if you see that they are just only like helping people with product knowledge, for example, 
like in our, in our environment, it's very product knowledge heavy because we sell a ton of products through like 40 different carriers. So that's, you can get really stuck in that cyclone of just questions about technical nitty gritty stuff. Um, and there's always going to be reasons to take them off the phones. There's always going to be something that would get them behind their desk or that would get them working on some kind of report. And what happens is the urgent butts in line of the importance. So one of the tools we have to put in their tool belt is time blocking out. Like this is when you spend time in voice ops. This is what you're doing when you're looking at the sales calls. Here's a here's a tool for what you're looking for. Here's how you're going to find your patterns. And then here's how you're going to coach this person on it and when. And if we can make that time sacred and emails can't button in front of that and all this other stuff and meetings can't get in line in front of that, then it really helps increase the chance that it's going to happen. So, so is that, is that what you've done? Have you actually time boxed or time blocked? This is your coaching time for, for each of your managers and said in this time, turn off your emails and just focus on this really important thing you got to do. In our, we have in our call center environment, that middle of the day range, like 1 PM to like 3, 3.34 is our slower time of the day for like for incoming leads or for clients picking up the phone. And so what we do is study the slower times of day and time block it out for then. And you're in, for some of the other listeners in other industries, the time of day that you're busy might be completely different. And so I would time block it around when it's slower for when clients are, when you're closing deal with clients or when you're getting your hottest leads in and, and work from there. What, it, what have you found in your case, Ethan? Yeah, I, I think that um, the, you know, what was kind of on my mind is that I think that many of the call centers that we work with, you know, oftentimes folks work with us because they really deeply believe in coaching. And so they just want to get better at coaching and that cultural attitude comes from the executives, and, but it really goes through the whole organization down to the reps. People believe in coaching. But I think one thing that does get missed a lot is, um, uh, is that folks forget that coaching is not just about coaching reps, but it's about coaching the coaches. Um, and so, uh, you know, we see varying levels of um, structure as it relates to guiding the coaches towards being effective in their job as a coach. And so sometimes we'll see, you know, I haven't seen so much the, um, the time boxing uh, Mm -hmm. that you're talking about, though. I really like that approach, especially when you're doing it in a way that doesn't get in the way of your busy time. I mean, that, that's just very smart, but we'll see, you know, we'll see various levels of structure where, where, you know, one organization might say, you know, I'd like you to have two, um, two one-on-ones a month. Mm-hmm. And in those one-on-ones, you're going to fill out this form and then you're going to go get in a room with the rep. And then the rep's going to fill out a form afterwards and be very structured about ensuring that the right conversation is happening. And then between those one-on-ones, what we want to see is uh, three moments of reinforcement where you're doing live listening or looking at calls and voice ops and reinforcing what we worked on. And then you're going to continue to follow that until you hit a certain metric and then you're going to move to a new behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, that level of structure, actually, we've been very impressed with how effective that's been for organizations. Uh, and then you see on the other end where you see folks saying, well, um, uh, you know, I, I usually see this kind of in earlier stage companies where they will say, our, we trust our coaches to, you know, just use their time as they see fit. 
and we're going to give them the tools they need to make good decisions and be efficient and, and, and all that. My sense is that as a company grows, especially when it's growing fast, like quantum has, uh, you start to see the benefits of more structure and structure becomes quite, quite important as you're trying to drive consistency across a, a big organization. Absolutely. And I think if, if you are an insurance agency owner or you're someone who's in kind of startup mode right now, that like growth phase where you've got the growing pains and everything, some of what we're describing from this structure and process standpoint might sound a little overwhelming or like, oh, that sounds like a lot. Um, so I would just encourage you that what I found is that once you put a coaching structure in place where you're like, hey, here's our sales process. We've trained on it. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I'm listening for. Here's where we're going to meet. Here's what we're going to discuss. Once you've kind of done the groundwork to communicate and, you know, get get some work on starting to get some buy-in, it makes it so much easier to have a coaching conversation because your team member expects it. They're going to get to the part where they look forward to it and it becomes a natural part of what you're doing. If you don't have a coaching process in place right now, then pulling someone to coach them on a call that went wrong can be really uncomfortable. It's like, oh, I'm getting in trouble. Or you might, um, if you're just kind of doing them like one off, then you might have some employees that maybe they don't feel like they're getting the support or mentorship that they really need, but they're not sure how to ask you for it. And so I've just found that it makes those coaching conversations a lot less awkward and a lot more like just making sure we're getting time to chat and to focus on your professional growth when that structure is in place. Yeah. So you've seen that transition mm -hmm. at Quantum from reps being feeling like they're in trouble when they're getting coached mm -hmm. to now reps are saying, hey, actually, I want this coaching. I expect it. It's a normal part of the way that I become better in my job. I think that's the goal. And so for us, what we've tried to do is start making sure that that's starting in the training and onboarding program. So now when someone comes on board to quantum within the first week, they're having workshops about like, what is, what can you, what does it mean to be coachable and what does coachability look like at quantum and what, what can you expect from your leaders? And then we're playing calls for them from voice ops. It's like, Hey, um, you're new to quantum. Let's listen to like what a great call sounds like. And so we start weaving it into what, what they're experiencing and what they're learning from the beginning so that it's just part of the, their, their daily experiences. And I found that that has really started to make a difference as far as, as buy-in, as far as understanding the tool a little bit better and um, making sure that those coaching conversations are really collaborative mm -hmm. and positive. And it's not a disciplinary conversation. It's like, oh, it's time to, re to review your calls together. Let's hear, let's listen to what that client said. Let's talk about that. And we, we get really good feedback when that's happening. So, you know, you're, you're talking about, okay, we're going to block off two and a half to three hours a day for coaching. Uh, and, and we're going to spend time in training. We're going to design curriculum around why coaching matters. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're really investing in coaching in a pretty big way. I think it might be useful for us, you know, for those who may be listening and think, is that really worth the investment? I mean, how, how do you justify that to yourself or to the organization? Why should we care about coaching enough to invest this kind of time and energy into it? How do you think about that? Hmm. So why? Hmm. So it's a big time investment. Why should we invest in it? Well, you shouldn't if it's not moving the needle, right? <laughs> so like, if you're if you're trying something and it's not working than something you need to spend your time on things that are going to get your team in front of the right clients 
and make sure that they are building a strong relationship with their clients, that they're becoming a revenue or a profit center for your business. And so time has to be spent on, okay, what are the things that move the needle in my organization? And so if you are spending all of that time and you're not moving the needle, there's things you can do to fix that. I think that if you're not sure if it's going to move the needle, start with broad strokes on the things that you know. Like, so for in our environment, bundling, like if you're not bundling, that's the number one first thing you can do right away to see a huge jump in your sales numbers. And you can use machine learning to be able to see when they're presenting the car and the home insurance solution together. And so if you just started looking at something that you know for sure is going to move the needle a lot and you focus your time and energy on that, you can do a test and a pilot and you can see the difference. And so it starts with, if you're in that mindset right now, ask other successful people in your industry what they're doing and work on getting the information that you need to get your mindset in the right place. Because what what most leaders out there will tell you is that communicating with your people and the conversations that we're having in our team and building culture are some of the most important things that we need to do. And if we're not taking time to be available when our team is on the phones trying to close a deal, or we're not helping them with their sales pipeline, and we don't have an understanding of what's in their sales pipeline, then we can't do that. Then they're kind of on their own figuring it out. They're reinventing the wheel. Um, And if we're not looking for patterns, if we're not spending time on like, well, why did we lose this deal? Then we're really just leaving a lot of money on the table. We're leaving a lot of clients behind that we could have closed. And so it's definitely worth the time investment if you can start with the pillars that are going to move the needle most for your agency or your your company. Hey, loyal listeners. When you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, but like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is and it's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah, that's great. So you're saying, well, start with the stuff that's going to make the biggest impact. And there will be moments where, you, where maybe that's not coaching, uh, particularly early on. There might be some really low hanging fruit. Yes. Like bundling. Uh, and, and if you're skeptical, then, you know, maybe go talk to someone else in the industry who's done coaching or yeah. you can always run a test and that gives you some signal on whether you're moving the needle. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk about speech analytics and conversation intelligence. And there's all these buzzwords around the technology of coaching to conversations. So, t- you know, yes. you can you break it down for us, Ethan? Because yeah. sometimes the terminology 
in your industry still goes over my head a little bit. So I think for our listeners, if you can really help us understand just like from a technical standpoint, what do we, what do we mean by speech analytics? What do we mean by machine learning and all that good stuff? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think um, as a sort of pseudo history lesson, I, you know, back in the nineties, the big thing was, Oh, wow. We can record our calls. <laughs> or a little before that, that was a big deal, you know, yeah. and, and that was game changing because now if you had recordings of your calls, you could do things like live listening or listen to calls after the fact you could, uh, you know, go back and revisit a call where there might've been a customer complaint, you could coach. And so that really was exciting for a while. And then um, people started to say, oh, wow, we, maybe we can apply technology on top of the call recordings to help us learn more about what's happening in these calls. There's so many interesting things. And yet we only can, you know, listen to a small sample because we only have so many people to listen to these calls and we're making thousands of calls, millions of calls a day. Um, and so that's where uh, you, the first term and the first sort of category of technology that came out to solve this was called speech analytics. Um, and speech analytics is, uh, it's really a, it's a broad term uh, that really relates to technology uh, that tried, you know, it was really the first wave of this stuff that tried to just give you a lot of broad information about lots of topics. Think of it as business intelligence. So I want to understand, you know, most basically are people swearing on the calls? Mm -hmm. Okay, let me, let me do keyword detection on swear words. Mm -hmm. um, I want to understand are, are competitors coming up in our calls? Okay, let me do keyword detection on competitors. Um, I want to understand, uh, are people talking about, um, or doing the right greeting? Let me do keyword detection on, uh, the word hello or something like that. So you could, it would, you know, it was this sort of category of technology, very flexible and very exciting because you could start to automate the analysis or the listening of these calls. Um, at some point, <clears throat> this new category of technology, um, called, uh, well, we, we, you know, we like to think about co uh, uh, coaching enablement, but I think people started to figure out that there were some shortfalls in, in, uh, in or shortcomings of speech analytics in a couple of ways. One is that, um, it you know, the attitude at that time was very much, let's give you as much data as possible, and then you'll figure out what to do with it. And it turns out that actually the harder part is figuring out what to do with it. Yes, you know, that we, is we, definitely the hardest part. <laughs> we were just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure you can talk about that. We, we were just, you know, talking about the difficulty of teaching coaches how to coach and um, how to block off time and be proactive and all, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That is, um, that's very challenging. And these speech analytics tools sort of took the attitude, well, if you have the data, you'll be good. That's not true. Um, so that was problem number one. Problem number two is the data it turned out actually was much harder to collect than people expected. Um, because if, if you think about in a call center environment or, you know, if you're an independent agency uh, with a few reps, either way, when you put on a headset and you listen to a call, you're actually doing some pretty intelligent things there. You're listening for context. You're listening for different ways people might approach the same uh, strategy of doing discovery. You're listening for tone and empathy. This, like humans are pretty smart and this keyword approach uh, really was not able to uh, capture uh, what was really going on in these calls. And so what people found is they'd have a speech analytics tool and then they'd still have their managers listening to calls. It didn't really solve their problem. Yeah, exactly. So that's where um, 
you know, there's a new wave of technology coming in and we believe deeply in actually calling it conversation or coaching enablement. Um, and so it's, it's really, let's not focus on the data. The data is an important part of it, but let's focus on, on everything you need to enable your coaches to drive uh, the changes in the behaviors that's going to drive your business forward. And so that, that really is um, really is about addressing those two problems in speech analytics. Problem number one is putting the right tools on top of the data to help you make that, to bridge that gap between the data and the actions that are going to drive change. Uh, so coaching tools uh, and, and building your coaching strategy. And then the other piece is um, for the set of um sort of behaviors that you want to drive on the phone, helping you measure those things in a more nuanced way. So rather than just looking at keywords and swear words and competitor names, can we actually help you automate the evaluation of whether a great discovery happened on a call or whether objection an objection was handled appropriately? Some, some things that are more complex can be said in all sorts of ways. Absolutely. So like what that makes me think of, Ethan, is like in our... Um, in our sales process, one of the things we're looking for is, did we find need? So Ethan, what has you looking to change insurance today? And you might say, well, my price went up or I got this renewal and you know, and I got this bill and I'm looking for cheaper insurance. Well, one of the things that, one of the behavioral things that's a little bit more of a gray area that I'm looking for is, well, how did we respond to that need? Did we ask probing questions? Did we seek to get understanding? Or do we just say, okay, great, here's a quote. <laughs> and so um, I think, one of the, to kind of recap what you said and piggyback off of that from a, a sales professional's perspective, what they might say is, well, um, what is it listening for a script? Like what's the script that I have to say to get points for fine need? And (laughs) what I, what I hear you saying, Ethan, is that it's, it's not about a script where you said these 10 words in the form of a sentence. It's about how can we identify if that, um, contextual conversation occurred. That's right. Yeah. I think that makes a world of difference. Yeah. What, what's that felt? I mean, you have voice ops at quantum. What, what does that kind of felt like on the floor to have that versus something that's more uh, kind of keyword or script based? Well, one of the things that I personally love about voice ops is that when we're identifying what we want the tool to look for. So when we sat down and we were like, okay, how are we going to customize what we want it to even find in our conversations? We, were, we didn't have to rely on just script writing. So there might be a few behaviors where I want them to use a specific script at that point in the call, and I can build that in. But more often than not, I'm looking for a behavior. I'm looking for, how did you, res- this person said they're buying a new home. How did you respond to that? And what did that sound like? Or I'm looking for, did you build value around quantum and what we're here to do and you know why you're so passionate about being their agent and what kind of solutions you're going to provide for them in the long term? I want to be able to hear how that happened and how that came to fruition. And what I found on the flip side of that is I think that the fact that voice ops has that contextual capability has probably helped us get further getting buy-in from our associates and from our leaders, because people tend to be really, really skeptical of scripts in a, in a sales environment. They tend to say, oh, well, I want to, I've had success saying it this other way, or, well, that's just not how I would say it. Or you, you, I, I'm a big believer in scripts. So I could talk to you all day long about like why they're important and how you don't sound scripted. And I spent a lot of my time on that. 
But one of the one of the big roadblocks you have when you implement a tool like this is getting your team behind it. And I think if you can explain to them that like, hey, the system is going to be taking into account, was this an inbound call? Was it an outbound call? What, did the, what, were the, what was the context of the conversation? And we're not just looking for you to read off of a script. I think it helps put them at ease a little bit. And it allows them in some areas of the sales conversation to get a little bit more creative. Mm-hmm. So one example is that for our customer service team, our client care associates, when a client calls in a quantum, they say, thank you for calling quantum. This is Caitlin. How may I help you? For example, the client will give them the reason for their call. And in some call centers, that might sound more like, thank you for calling quantum. This is Ashley. I mean, I start with your first and last name. That's just, we want to, we, we just don't use that approach at quantum. You could, if that's the way you use it in your call center, voice ops can absolutely set that up for you. But we're looking for them to listen to the reason for the call confirm that they understand. And then their next step is to create peace of mind. And I think create peace of mind is something that we wouldn't be able to to use a tool like this for if it wasn't contextual. Because I'm not looking for them to say, oh, your bill went up. I can definitely help you with that today. One moment while I pull up your policy. I'm looking for them to create peace of mind by describing what the end end result will be by the end of the conversation. So I'd like them to say something like, oh, well, Ethan, you're You got a bill in the mail? Your bill went up out of the blue? Oh, well, I tell you what, I'm so glad we connected today because by the end of our call, um, we'll be able to figure out exactly what's going on so that um, there's no surprises and you know exactly what to expect with your car policy. How does that sound? Wonderful. Let me get your policy pulled up. So that's something where I need the system to be listening to the conversation. And it's able to tell me if they describe that end result as opposed to me saying, hey, tell me if they said, I'm glad to help you. And so I think that that's made a world of difference. Yeah, that's a, that's a great summary. You know, in the insurance world, what are the behaviors that you find yourself sort of thinking most about in terms of coaching reps? Like, what are the behaviors that matter most to you? In the insurance world, I think that, so we, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier about what sales coaching looks like in the insurance environment. And I think a way to summarize that is that for the age of independence agents listening, Sales coaching in our world more often than not looks like coaching around the numbers that you're seeing, the sales that you're seeing coming out of the pipeline. You're coaching around the stuff that's visible. What you need to be coaching around is the stuff you can't see right now. Right now, you can't see if your associate properly branded your agency. Like, do the client that you just sold, do they know anything about your agency or where they are, where, where you stand in the mix. They may, we're independent agents. So we sell insurance solutions through multiple insurance companies. So the client may have just purchased a policy through a name brand like Nationwide, Traveler, Safeco. And the client, it's totally possible for your associate to close that car and home bundle, but they never heard about your agency or how you're going to serve them in the future or, um, like where, where you fit in the mix with their insurance relationship. And so that's not going to be easy for you to see if you're not listening to calls or using a tool to review your calls. And so I think that the sales behaviors that are most difficult to drive in an insurance agency are the ones that agent can't see. So how did your associate brand your agency? Branding is really important in what we do. Um, why, did they, why did the client switch to you? So you saw that they got a car and home bundle. Great. Now you're celebrating. The numbers are on the board. Wonderful. 
but why did, why did they switch? What's the reason you got the sale? You probably can't identify that without reviewing the call. But if you review the call, you can find out, was this low hanging fruit? We just ran a quote. We happened to be cheaper and they bought, or did the associate introduce our agency and the solutions we provide and build trust and credibility and the client knows what to expect. So you don't want to just look at a sale. You want to identify, is this going to be a short-term relationship or a long-term relationship? Because there's a lot of other competitors out there on the marketplace fighting for that same client. And so if you're only looking at the numbers, then you've missed, well, how do I think this sale is sticky or not? Because if it's not, then I want to coach around that. And I'd say another thing that insurance agents can't see very easily it without like that we don't just have data on without reviewing calls is why did you lose the sale? So root cause analysis, you have to review the call to figure out how is my agent going to close this and get it through their pipeline? Or why did we lose this? What's the reason that they said, oh, I'd been working with this person for two weeks and they just switched to someone else. You've got to review that conversation and figure out what was their need? What had them looking to change insurance in the first place? How do we respond to that need? How do we set expectations for how the conversation was going to go? And if you can help your team figure out where the missed opportunity was, then that's when they're going to be able to start making positive changes where they'll, they'll see more coming out of their sales pipeline. You'll see that needle moving. You'll see them being more productive, making their goals, achieving more. So you've got to get your eyes on that data that you can't just see. You have to hear how that conversation went. And so I love that voice ops gives, gives us the ability to be able to hear the conversation, see the transcript. It's tagged the behaviors we're looking for so I can fast forward to the part that I need to know. So it speeds up that process. You don't necessarily have to listen to a 50 minute call. You can search and filter for the calls that you need to hear. And then you can skip to the part of the call that you need to hear. So maybe you're focusing on coaching this associate on okay, we're working on the close of the sale this week. So for every sale that you lose, we're going to go in. We're going to look at what the client's need was, how you positioned yourself. We're going to figure out what you could have done to close that deal. And so I, I think that that in an insurance agency is what would um, be, be most difficult to drive without a tool like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like we, you know, oftentimes before getting a tool, like voice ops in the mix, uh, you see folks really focused on two sets of numbers. There's the utilization numbers. How many calls are we making? Uh, and then there's the outcomes numbers. What are we getting on the other end? What are, what's our conversion rate? How much money are we bringing in? And you're left with this gap in the middle is, okay, we, you know, we have 10 agents that all made the same number of calls or took the same number of calls and yet their outcomes look very different and we don't know what happened in the middle. Yeah. And what, what we see is what I've seen a lot is, um, that coaches do their best with what they got um, where they'll look at the outcomes data. What's our conversion rate or your conversion from stage to stage and try to guess at the behavior in the call. That's, that's causing the problem with that particular outcomes metric. The problem is it's, it's very much a guessing game. And so um, I, I love this idea of, you know, root causing, okay, we, we lost a deal. Let's go root cause it by looking at that middle piece. Absolutely. And accountability is all about visibility. If you don't have your eyes on exactly what's going on, it's going to be really hard to hold your associate accountable to those behaviors that will drive the results. And so if they're struggling with closing. They might be asking you to role play overcoming objections with them. 
but maybe they didn't close the sale because they never found the need and they never responded to the need and solved a problem. Maybe they never put the client in a better position than where they were before. Maybe they never built the value of your company and, and why they should do business with you. Maybe they never asked for the business. And so sometimes your sales associates might be looking for a silver bullet and you may need to go further back in the conversation to figure out how they got there and what they need to do. And that's when um, the coaching starts to get more effective because then we're not just relying on overcoming objections all day long, which is important. That's, that's what people are going to ask about, but we can get stuck in a rut if we're not looking at the early um, in the conversation, the whole picture. Yeah. What created that objection? In the exactly. Right. Um, Ethan, how does that track with your experience with other clients? Um, what have you seen in call center environments from other industries as far as what what successes can happen when they're relying on behavior-based coaching instead of just keywords or just those sales numbers that come out the sales funnel? Well, I think one thing that's been very interesting is, um, you know, call centers or sales teams and and clutch teams that we tend to work with um, tend to really overestimate how often key behaviors are happening in their calls. And so sometimes we, what we like to do, and I, I don't remember if we did this with you guys, Kevin, but- You guys totally did. We were way off too, <laughs> way off. We're like, of course they're asking for the sale. Of course they are. <laughs> you remember? So let me just, yeah. for the for the audience, let me, let me say what we did. And then I'm okay. curious to hear your experience of it. Um, so what we'll often do is uh, we will take uh, someone's calls and we'll analyze uh you know, what, what's happening on those calls, which of your, the behaviors that, that our client wants to measure are happening, but then we don't show the client the data. Uh, and we, uh, before we show the data, we ask them to guess, okay, for each of these behaviors, discovery, objection handling, closing, wh- whatever it may be, we, how often is it actually happening on the calls where it should happen? And, um, and it's very interesting because uh, we, we typically see two things happen. The first is that almost everyone in the room, we will literally go around the room and ask everyone to guess. Everyone in the room will guess a higher number than what is actually the truth. Meaning these things aren't happening as much as you think. And everyone in the room is guessing a different number from each other. Meaning there's not alignment uh, you know, in the room on how often these things are happening. And one of the things I, I, I like to point out when, the, when that happens is imagine I went around the room and asked what your close rate was and everyone had a different guess. I mean, how disorienting would that be in terms of driving the action that you need to take to, to, to improve close rates if no one knew what your close rate was? So um, that's often, and then we show the data and it's often very surprising and sometimes jaws literally drop. And, uh, and that's, totally. you know, <laughs> what was your experience of that? I, remind me what. Oh, and it was across the board. We all overestimated it. We were like, oh, this is terrible. And so it was really interesting to like have that kind of like health assessment to, to be able to, to really know what the need was. And I, so I think voice ops has so much, there's so many different routes you could take with how you coach your team on it, because you'll have percentages where you could build that into your coaching process. But I also, I think of it as kind of like an x-ray machine. Like figure out what's going on so that you can then create a coaching plan that's actually going to work because it's based on not just a guess, but now you have information and and then you can build out the plan for how to get stronger from there. 
And I remember one of the things that you guys showed us was that when you look at calls, you can quantify like how often a behavior is being successful. So you guys shared with us, for example, like in our environment, how that like an assumptive close approach was three times more effective than a direct close approach, a trial close approach, or what I call the no close, where you just state the price and just hold your breath and wait. (laughs) And so that's enabled us to be able to help our team understand, well, I, I hear that you asked for the sale, but it wasn't assumptive. This is why. And here's the reason right. why we're stretching to use this other method. Um, you're, you're almost there. I get it. And kind of helping them understand the why behind things when you have the numbers and the metrics to, to prove what's successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think, uh, you know, we only got about 10 minutes left here. And I'm, I'm curious uh, if you had to boil down advice for insurance agencies um, in terms of how to approach coaching more strategically. Like, what do you think folks should take away from, from the session today? And, and how should they start to think about implementing an, an incredible coaching strategy like a quantum? Okay. So if we were to kind of boil down what we talked about today, guys, I think that if you, if you, don't have a sales process, work on building one. I have an episode, of, uh, if you guys scroll back, there's one I have called, are you a coach or a spectator on age of independence? And so if you're an insurance agent, I break down for you, like what are the first couple scripts that you can utilize? What could you be listening for on your calls to figure out like, how is your team branding your agency? And if you don't have a sales process, think about like, okay, what would need to happen for us to have really strong branding in this conversation? So we're to recap, we're thinking about what are the big rocks that we're going to focus on? What are the big things we're going to fill our bucket with first that are going to make the biggest difference? And so branding is huge. Building a relationship with your clients. So are they creating peace of mind? Are they... Um, doing a, a deep dive, really getting to know the person, really understanding their needs. And where do we have the biggest opportunities? In many industries, bundling is going to be one of your biggest opportunities. Whether you work for Verizon or you work in insurance, you have a client on the phone right now. What is the biggest impact you can make in this person's life? How can you help them with as many problems as possible? And how can you put them in the strongest position possible by the end of your phone call so that they're in a better place than they were before they talked to your company today? Because if we're just doing the bare minimum status quo, just entry, just entering data into the system, did we really make someone's day better? Did we actually make a long lasting positive impact on that person's life? So we can listen for where are the biggest opportunities. Did I do a total risk review of this person's car and home insurance so that by the end of the call, I'm presenting a package solution for what makes the most sense for their family based on what they told me they care about? That's a big rock that I can focus on that is going to move the needle probably faster than anything else. And it's going to make sure that at the end of the day, because we're focusing on branding, the client relationship, and where the biggest opportunities are to solve problems for them, now you've created that consultative approach within your agency, and anyone can start there. So I think to recap, one of the things is, is start, start on those big things that make a really big difference. And at the end of the day, the bottom line for me is don't just look at the numbers. You've got to listen to the calls. You've got to get inside of the call, not just look at the outcome. And that will 
point you in the right direction so that you can start figuring out how to coach those behaviors. It's a continuous process. It's not just a health assessment and now we're going to have a meeting on it and things are going to get better. It's something that we fight to improve every day at Quantum. And we're always looking to get better at this process because we know if we can win at this, it's going to make a long lasting impact on our clients, our agents, and on the, the company as a whole. That's amazing. And also don't forget to coach the coaches. You coach, coach those coaches. coaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kaylin, thank you so much. This has been a real, a real treat to get to spend time. You know, we, we get to see each other every once in a while, but to get to spend an hour with you and uh, learn about how you've done such incredible work at Quantum is, 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 is really special. So I, I'm just very grateful uh, to, to get to talk with you. Thanks, Ethan. I can't believe we just made it through a whole hour of Coach the Coaches and we didn't even throw a sports analogy in there. Like, what is wrong with us? <laughs> My team picks on me because I make the cheesiest sports analogies when I'm doing sales training. And they're like, Caitlin, you don't watch sports. <laughs> I have the same thing. Sometimes I'll find myself on a sales call and I'll be talking about behavior-based coaching. And uh, I, I will explain that, hey, it's sort of like if you're bad at free throws in basketball, then you should practice your free throws over and over right. again. I'll do this. And I'm thinking in my head, I haven't thrown a free throw maybe ever in my whole life. What am I talking about? <laughs> oh my gosh. The other day I was training a class and we have some guys in there that I kid you not like played college football. And I was like, guys, we're about to get on the phones and the client's going to give us an objection, but we're going to be ready. And we're strengthening our insurance muscles guys. This is like, like we wouldn't want you to like sprint without doing weight training first and it's, you know, we got to be ready so we can like take it across the finish line thing. And they, I was like, Tom Brady wouldn't get out there without like knowing what play he was going to run. Right. And they were like, Tom Brady, nobody likes Tom Brady. <laughs> I always flop when I try to, but it's so true. And so I think that that would make a good topic for one of your future episodes. <laughs> I know, we, we, we're so we want to get a, a, a sports coach on here and, uh, here, I think here how uh, how coaching works in the sports world because I think they've yep. got a lot to teach us in the call center world. So. This was fun, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on as well in our joint uh, joint podcast. Thanks so much, Caleb. Sure. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really, we're we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner, and I, you know how it is to to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.